Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Father, we thank and exhort you. We just give you all the praise, glory, and adoration. We magnify you for this moment and we exhort you because we believe, Lord, it is your will, your intention that we receive from you every now and then instructions through your word. We're asking God for your light to break forth into our hearts, but the mind, Holy Spirit, for the effectual working of this word that we may find our place and our position and live it out to the praise and glory of your name in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Okay, so I want to start this series with us, and I call this the sitting priesthood. The sitting priesthood um, is directly connected to what uh, Pastor Mark shared with us on Sunday, which has to do with enforcing your victory in Christ. So I want to deal with that, which is called the sitting priesthood, and that look a little bit uh, controversial or contradictory. As to why the priest should be sitting. And so when we progress, we'll be able to understand exactly what I'm trying to say. In relation to our being priests of God, our being sons of God. And uh, in fact, you hear people talk about we being priests. In fact, it's a common thing that we said we are the new covenant people, a priesthood family. And you have that which is called the priesthood of all believers. Have you heard that? Right, the priesthood of all believers. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, like I always say before, I may not be able to touch that here, but you see, uh, there is something, why we have the priesthood of all believers, uh, there is also the need for us to understand that in the midst of this priesthood of all believers, there is still the fivefold ministry. Just like you have the whole of Israel as the priesthood community. God called Israel in Exodus 18, 19, 20. You'll be able to understand before I give the law. And made up to understand that you are a royal priesthood. In fact, you are a priesthood unto me. Priesthood of kings, that's what he said. So Israel was a priesthood. But in the midst of the father, Israel was a priesthood. God had the Levites, which are the priesthood. Of the Levitical order, the Aaronic order. Is that okay? Yeah. But the whole of Israel was a priest to the nations. But within the community of Israel was the Aaronic priesthood. Even so, while we are all priesthood of all believers, would God intend us to really have as a house, as a community, towards the rest of the people, we have the fivefold ministry. That God has also called and equipped to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Is that making sense? Yeah. So, I'm not against the issue of the priesthood of all believers. I believe all of that. But for the moment that we are, before we come into the fullness of the marriage of the Saddle of Christ, there is a fight for ministry. Just like the ironic priesthood was meant to help usher in the people of God. Until they get, even when they got to the promised land. Are you following what I'm talking about? Yeah, they were still there. Uh, if we, we, maybe it's not here, but I did mention in my last meeting in South Africa that the truth of the matter is the fire for ministry is a temporary measure. If you watch it properly, say until. So that means when the till is fulfilled, they have no need of the fire for ministry. It's still a temporary measure. Until we come to the fullness of the start of the fullness of Christ. The knowledge of the Son of Man. not the, I mean the Son of God. Not the knowledge of the Son of Man. There is a place for the knowledge of the Son of Man. There is a place for the knowledge of the Son of God. So until we come to the fullness of the start of Christ. Yes. The fivefold ministries are there. But it's still a temporary measure. Because he realized that. In the garden, there was no intermediary between God and Adam. It was all father and son. And so when Jesus was talking about the prayer, he says, simply say, when you pray, say, our father without in heaven. 
So it was a relationship between God and the sons. There was nobody to stand between. So the fivefold ministry, just like the Levitical ministry, came into place because of the fall. Are you getting that? The reason we have the fivefold ministry is all because of still the fall. They are meant to equip the saints to come to the place of maturity. But when we come to when that word until is fulfilled, you have no need of the five ministry. That's precisely what we have, or what we can term the priesthood of all believers. But for the moment, the whole of the church is a priesthood in relation to the nation, that through the church, the rest of the nations may have an understanding of who God is. Just like the Aaronic priesthood was meant to assist and equip the people, to have their relationship with God as sons, that the whole nation of Israel will serve as a priest to other nations. So when we talk about the priest of all believers, we are saying every believer is commissioned to usher in the word of God to the rest of the people. But in equipping the house, we have the five ministry. Is that making sense to us? Praise God. So, so that people don't get this confused continually. But what I intend to make you see from this study is for you to know that as a believer, with not function in that priesthood, you are sitting together with Christ. There is something I'm going to make you see. It's about time you understand your position and to begin to rule and reign. Why, of course, we always have this conviction, yes, a time will come, we will reign with Christ. And I'm going to make you see that when we come to the book of Revelation, when we begin to talk about, we shall reign with him a thousand years. We'll come to that. It is not for you to wait. It is now for you to make use of your position where you are sitting and reign. You are called to reign in life. Not some days to come, not some years to come. No. I don't know if you're getting this. Okay, so let's take some scriptures anyway, but that's part of what I'm trying to summarize for you. Uh, first Peter chapter 2 verse 9. First Peter 2 verse number 9. It's about your chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that is show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous life. He's showing the praises of him. You see, you're actually talking about doing this in relation to the nation. You know, in Deuteronomy chapter 4, Moses saying to the people concerning the law, he said, and they will say, which nature have the law so close to them, God so close to them like you have. You understand that? Right. That is part of showing the praises of God to the rest of the nation. So we are called to show forth the praises of God to the rest of the nation. But I'm trying to tell us that we do this from the position that we occupy. So now, go with me to Revelation 5, verse number 1. I will read very quickly. Bible says, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within, and on the back side sealed with seven seals. Verse 2, And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book, and the lose it seals thereof. And no man in heaven on it, neither under the earth was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. Verse 4, And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and to read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to lose his seals thereof. And I behold, and lo, in the midst of the throne, and of the four beasts and the midst of the elders to the lamb as he had been slain, having seven horns and ten eyes, I mean seven eyes, which are the seven spirit of God sent forth into all the earth. So you understand the seven spirit? Isaiah chapter 11. 
Is that okay? Right. Verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. And when he has taken the book, the four beasts and the four elders, twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them have and golden vows full of orders, which are the prayers of the saints. Twenty-four elders. Where do you have the twenty-four elders? From the twelve tribe of Israel. Two elders from each tribe equals twenty-four elders. Did you get? All right. Verse nine. And they sang a new song, saying that worthy to take the book. And to open the seas thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. So the redemption is not Jewish, but all men, everywhere. Hallelujah. Are you getting that? All men, everywhere. All tongues, all tribes, Indian. Chinese, you know, everyone, you understand what I'm saying? Right. Everyone is redeemed. All men, all tongues, all tribes, all nations, equally people, just name it, everyone. Not Jewish. That is why recently we had this debate, if I may use the word, something that is more or less trending, I think, the US and also South Africa, you have people who have to call Jesus Yeshua. You say that is the name. Right? You call Jesus. No, 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 no. That's pagan. The name is Yeshua. I am not a Hebrew person. I am not an Israelite. I am a Gentile. I call Jesus by Jesus as the Bible calls him. Is that okay? In fact, in my own language, I call him Jesus. And he hears me when I say that. I don't have to say Yeshua. What's my business with Yeshua? Praise God, somebody. Are you listening to me? So, so you see, we're making... <laughs> can, can, we, can you give me Amplified Translation, chapter 1, Matthew, chapter 1, verse 21? Let's see what the Bible defines Jesus' name to be. And when people begin to make all of those noise about Yeshua, prayer sure, uh, no, ram's horn, I'm not Jewish. I'm not a Hebrew person. I am a Nigerian born of God by the spirit of the living God. I am a son of God. My identity has nothing to do with Judaism. And unfortunately too, all of those people, they don't even believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know if you remember that? Now, here is Joseph. Wanted to put Mary aside because she was pregnant. The angel that was sent did not call him Yeshua. The angel called him Jesus. So in the spirit realm, he's recognized as what? Jesus. I don't care all of those Yeshua, Meshayah, whatever. Have nothing to do with me. Plain Bible. She will be a son and shall call his name Jesus. The Greek word from the Hebrew Joshua, which means savior. For he will save his people from their sins. That is, prevent them from failing and missing the true end and scope of life, which is who? God. Simple there. So which one is Yeshua? Call Jesus. Peter simply said, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise on my walk. And this, he, he, was a, he was a Jewish man. He was a Hebrew guy. Why did he say in the name of Yeshua? We are saved. What identifies us is the spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord. So go back. Revelation 5. Now go to verse 10. This is a key point. Verse 10. Verse 9 said he has saved us. And said and made us. Unto our God. Kings and priests. And we shall reign where? On the earth. You're not going to die before you start reigning. I mean, you see, you got to take your position now. Some people will say, well, Pastor David, what is right saying? See, you see, um, um, I mean, there's a language that you use it. Um, 
legally we are, you know, you understand that? Legally, yes, we are, we are kings and princes, but no. If you want to say legally you are priest and prince, but then you should also say legally you are saved, but if, if your salvation is not legally bought, then your reigning cannot be legally bought. Because the same blood that saved you is what equipped you to rule and reign. If you can't postpone your salvation to tomorrow, you can't postpone your reigning to tomorrow. It's all one parcel that was delivered to you. Out of that blood, that salvation that you receive is contained the authority and the power with which you can rule and reign. Can I hear an amen to that? You can pull that in tomorrow. You see, that's a lot of people like Cobus, John G. Lex, every one of them who walk the face of the earth in their own time and season. The manifest of the glory and the power of God. They never waited until one time before they start ruling and reigning. That's deception. You cheating and robbing yourself of the glory that will be made available to you because of some theology that tells you legally yet, but then your salvation also should be bought. That means you are not sure of your salvation. And it can't be so, and it's not so, and it will never be so. It's all one parcel delivered. Everything is contained in that parcel that is called salvation. Your reigning, your authority, your dominion is factored right there in that one parcel that was delivered to you. Praise God, somebody. We shall reign on the earth. And we'll continue to reign. Now, guess this. Hallelujah. Now, Remember, we're dealing with the sitting priesthood. Is that okay? And so, the priest of all believers, we said we are in the order of Melchizedek. How I many of you remember that? Right, we're priesthood of Melchizedek. The other one is priesthood of Aaron. So we all believe that. That's why we say, okay, we don't believe in Titan. We're priesthood of Melchizedek. We don't believe in this. Priesthood of Melchizedek. All right. Beautiful. And that tells you that whatever thing that he was supposed to do at Melchizedek, you are not supposed to do it. Are you done with me? Alright. Hebrews 10 verse 11. Hebrews 10 verse 11. The sitting priesthood. I find this so interesting. Lord hit this thing yesterday so strongly. Every priest standing or standing daily ministry and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Every Priest, stand it. Priests were not meant to sit down. They together. <laughs> the priests in the Old Testament were not meant to sit down. They were always standing, ministering, walking to the outer court, getting the blood, moving to the most holy place, sprinkling the blood, lightening the incense, and putting the you understand that they don't sit down. In fact, the Bible tells us when Solomon was ministering, I mean, dedicating his temple, the glory was so much that the priests were finding it difficult to stand to minister. So the Old Testament priesthood, they were always standing. Praise God, somebody. Are you there? I want you to get this part where we are going to. The priest was not. Permitted by reason of his assignment to sit down. Never. And so you see Zechariah ministering the temple. The angel came. Was he sitting down? No. He was standing. The priesthood of the Old Testament were always standing. But I want to make you see something. And remember, in the midst of always standing, with all the sacrifices they were offering, they could not take away what? Sins. So the standard ministry cannot take away sins. The standard ministry cannot bring man to perfection. Let's read them a little bit. Look at verse 12. But this man, can I hear a but from everybody? 
this man after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever. Hallelujah. Not daily ministry. One sacrifice forever. Sat down, O glory, on the right hand of God. <laughs> and this is where you belong to. Can you get that? <laughs> there was one priesthood that was always standing doing the work of sin, you know, sacrificing for sin. Oh, glory. God help me. Let me not say the thing that will make you feel, but listen to me. When your, when your understanding is you always repenting daily of sin, begging God for sin every day, you are under the ministry of those who are standing daily. I don't know if you are getting that. You, you, you know, some people blame some ministers when he says, even the sins you're committing tomorrow, they're forgiven. And I say, why can you say that? You give me license for people to sin. No, no, no. What you don't understand is this. Before you were born, he offered the sin 2,000 years ago. And that offering covered you before you were born. I don't ever get it. That <laughs> when he died, you were not born. And so, when you were born, and then you sin, it was paid for before you were born. Does it make sense? Well, it's so simple. So, <laughs> so when people say. Your sins are forgiven yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody says, oh, can you say that? Were you there when he died? And that when you were born, you sinned. And then he's saying, that sacrifice he made that time cover the one you sinned today, even though you were not there when he died. Why do you think the one that will be born tomorrow, the sin he will, co- I mean, will commit is not covered by the one that he offered? One sin for all time forever. And then he sat down. You know what that means? No more offering for sins. The business of offering daily sacrifice is finished. So he sat down. Is anybody getting this? The Old Testament priests continuously do it. And on a daily basis. But he offered his own once and for all. And what's the next thing that happened? He sat down. And what I was supposed to mean, it is finished. All the requirements, you call it legal requirements, because people always look, like to use that. Whatever definition you want to give to it, all of that is finished. And because there is no more offering for sin, that is why he did what? He sat down. Can you get it now? Come on, are you with me? Why did he sit down? Because no more offering for sins. (laughs) Because the Old Testament priest was always standing. Why was he always standing? Because there's always sin sacrifices to be be offered. Now he offered this sacrifice once and for all. And since there was no more time, no more sin to be offered for, what did he do? He sat down. The sitting priesthood. Meaning, it is finished. You are very, in whatever definitions you want to give to you, legally or otherwise, you have no problem with God. And God have no problem with you. Hallelujah. You see, it's difficult to believe this. But it was never, uh, never been difficult for men to believe that they are sinners. That's what always baffles me. When you were born into this world, look at our little children there. They know nothing. But we always believe that they are sinners because Adam was the grandfather of all mankind. You could believe that. Now, the Bible is saying, as in Adam, all died. Why are they dying? Because the wages of sin is death. Even so, 
in Christ shall all be made what? Alive. Why are they making alive? By reason of the righteousness of who? Of Christ. If you now say, yes, some person cannot be made alive, that simply means the blood of Adam is stronger than the blood of who? Of Jesus. And I'm afraid of the kind of Bible you're reading in that context. Praise God. So, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. Can I get it from the Amplified or maybe there's a translation, just the verse number 12. I love this. As a priest, Christ made single sacrifice for sins. And that was it. Then he sat down right beside God. That's all. As a priest. Hallelujah. Take it from the Amplifier. I mean, yeah, Amplifier translation. Whereas this one Christ, after he had offered a single sacrifice for our sins, that shall avail for all time, sat down to the right hand of who? Of God. This sacrifice shall avail for what? All time. So, from 2,000 years ago, down through into eternity, this one sacrifice shall do what? Avail. That's why he sat down. Nothing to do anymore. Are you there with me? <laughs> Praise God. Go to verse 13. Hebrews 7, 13 now. From henceforth, expecting. This is a position now. This is what concerns you. Because you see, you are sitting together with him. In the heavenly places. You are sitting together with him. Now, he's sitting down. What is happening in his sitting down? Remember, he had dealt with sin. And the next phase is, he's sitting down. Keyword. His enemy be made what? His fool's too. Are you getting that? In relation to offering sacrifices, that is over. That ends in verse 12. As he stepped into verse 13, sitting down. Can you imagine a judge in the courts? Does he just sit down? I mean, stand up to pronounce judgment on the enemy? No, he sits down. This is now the place of authority. And if you are sitting with him, you have the same authority. All enemies should be where? Under your feet. Are you listening to me? You go to the court, you see the, the chief judge is sitting down. He will just sit down and look straight up. And guess what? Everyone that is to be condemned will be standing. He sits down. That's a place of authority. Have you watched the kings when you go to the king's palace? Whatever thing they want to do, they are sitting on the throne. They just give an assignment. They pronounce something and it happens. The throne is a place of what? Of authority. The bench for the chief judge is a place of authority. Jesus sitting down the right hand is a place of authority. And from that position, all enemies are to be made where? His foes too. But I'm trying to tell you that that's where you belong. So if you, if you think you have an enemy anywhere, it should be where? Under your feet. Because you're sitting together with him in heavenly places right now. Hallelujah. Verse 14 says, For by one offering he made perfect forever them that I was sanctified. Glory to God. Take this again from Amplify. Verse 14 is very interesting. Beautiful passage. For by a single offering, 
He has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. Praise God, somebody. By one single offering. He made those, oh, glory, who are consecrated, those who are called, those who are not called Christians or believers, those who are not saints, you make them perfect and holy by one single offering. And God said you are holy, that is who you are. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. For by one single offering, he has forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. You shall not be made holy, you are holy. Hallelujah. That's why you know we have some of our denominations. When person die, after a while they now consecrate or call his name holy. So you, you now have holy cathedral for holy Peter, uh, holy James. Have you seen things like that? Every other person is not holy. Only those people who have died and gone, they are holy. You don't have to die to be holy. You are holy by reason of the call. Holiness means you are separated from the world. That's all. That which is brought unto Christ, brought unto God, is simply holy. Everything that belongs to God is holy. And that is why you are holy because you belong to God. Praise God somebody. And all of this is coming from the fact that he has offered this sacrifice once and for all. And the Bible said this sacrifice is prevailing for all time. Right from when it happened till eternity time is prevailing. That means it's effectual. It's efficacious. That means it still works every moment, every time. Every day he cleans you from all unrighteousness by reason of this blood that is shed. Hallelujah. So look at Ephesians 2 verse 6. Is anybody understanding me? Ephesians 2 verse 6. Okay. Let's, let's go back a little bit. Let's just write from verse 1. So that you can follow it. And you had it quickened. Who were dead in trespasses and sin. When you use the word quickened means made alive. You had it made alive. You had it brought to life again. Amen. The next thing. Where in time past you walked according to the cause of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now walked in the children of disobedience. Where do you find that spirit? Within you. Before you got to know the Lord, there was a spirit walking in your heart. But now that God called you, there's another spirit walking where? In your heart. Is that okay? That is why I should program people to see it. The laws are written where in your heart, not on tablet or stone, not outside of you. They are written within you. Okay, let's just move on. Among whom also we all had our conversation in time past, in the laws of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. All right? But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sin, how quickened us together we cry by grace he has saved. And have raised us up together and made us sit together, glory to God, in heavenly places where in Christ Jesus. We sitting together with him. When he finished the sacrifices, he sat down. And when he sat down, he took you along with him. He said, when did that happen? Immediately after the cross. In fact, the Bible says, we're crucified together with him. We're raised together with him. How many of you understand that? We have always been in him. Somebody needs to understand this. In Adam, all die. In Christ, 
all are made alive. We have always been in him, just like we were in Adam. So, because we were in him, he took us down together. Mind me, when he was on the cross, we were on the cross. When he was buried, we were buried. When he rose, we rose. Hallelujah. That is what you should see from the scriptures. That is what you should believe. I'll be raised. I'm not going to be raised. Hallelujah. And you were not just raised and be floating. You were raised and you were made to sit. Where is he sitting? He's sitting at the right hand of God. So where are you sitting today? At the right hand of God. What are you expecting? Sitting at the right hand of God. An enemy should be where? On the feet. On the feet. On the feet. You can't allow enemies to ride on your head. No. Except you don't know that you are sitting. And anyone that is sitting has authority. Anyone that is sitting has power. Are you sitting there with me? Sitting means authority. Sitting means power. Sitting means dominion. And you have it right now. Not tomorrow. Not some years to come. Praise God. Are you still there? So, look at Colossians 3 verse 1. Take it from the Amplified. Glory. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead. Did you get that? We're sharing the resurrection from the dead. When he rose, we rose with him. Hallelujah. Aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of here of God. That should be what occupies them thinking. You see, what you should be thinking or doing right now is how to exercise yourself in the rich treasure that are the right hand of God. You should be able to see yourself. I am seated. I have authority. I have dominion. These are the treasure at the right hand of God. This is no time for you to allow any enemy to fly over your head in any manner. No. That's why Isaiah 54 will tell you the same thing. 17 to 18. No weapon formed against you shall do what? Shall prosper. Every tongue that shall rise against you, that shall ye condemn. For that is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness belongs to me. Hallelujah. Did you get that? But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against you in judgment, you shall. What is that? You shall show to be in the wrong. You, not somebody else. You. I don't even get in this. This peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition. Do you have an opposition? And God say you're going to triumph over them. That is what comes to you sitting. Oh glory. I love when we talk about wrestling. Yeah, that's a beautiful thing. But this is another position. Sometimes you don't need to wrestle. You sit. You see, in wrestling, you stay yourself with the enemy. In sitting, you give order. Oh, come on. Come on. Are you following what I'm talking about? There's a big difference between wrestling. Why does do you wrestle with the enemy? Who we'll put on the whole amount of wrestle? Why is it good to talk about wrestling? It's beautiful to talk about wrestling, but there is something higher, bigger, deeper, stronger than wrestling with the enemy. That's the place for sitting down and giving order. 
every opposition, God said, you shall show to be one wrong. Why? Because he is sitting at the right hand of God. This is no place to wrestle. I am not going to allow myself to be staying with some pigs anywhere. I, I'm going to tell them where they belong and I'm going to bring them right where under my feet. That's where they belong. What's the next thing? It said, there's a heritage of the servants of the Lord. Those in whom the this servant of the Lord is reproduced. This is the righteousness of the vindication which they obtain from me. This is what did which I impart to them as their justification, says the Lord. Hallelujah. I impart this to them as their justification. I don't even get in there. So here you are, the court. And here is your position coming to say, I have something against him. And the chief judge says, what do you got against him? And begin to pronounce things against you. I see him to be this, I see him to be that, I know him to be this, I know that. And so I look at you. What have you got to say about all that have been spoken about you? I mean, remember, they asked Jesus the same question. And the man is saying, everything he said about me is wrong. And the chief just said, why did he say so? He said, because I'm justified in the blood of Jesus. Everything he counted right now before you is wrong. And the chief just said, you are right. The blood vindicates you. Therefore, you are not guilty. Therefore, you are free. In other words, the accuser will turn to the accused. He who opposes you become the one who has to be condemned. Because false accusation. Oh, come on. Is anybody following me? Their justification is of me. I justify them. So, when you come to this place, can we go back to that feature on Colossians again? When you come to this position, this is what you are supposed to do. Colossians 3 now. Verse 1 again. Amplify it. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Look at verse 2. I mean, then verse 2 there. And set your minds and keep them set on what is above. They have things, not on the things that are where on the earth. The higher things are the treasure. At where? At the right hand of God. Where Christ is where? Seated. Having dealt with sins one and for all. Nobody can raise a finger against you. How many of you remember when Joshua was to be consecrated? We are told the accuser came to stand to accuse him. How many of you remember that? And that's what I was saying. So even with your present position, there will always be that accusation. You are not right. Nobody is right. I don't think I get in that. Everybody says sinner. We are sinner saved by grace. Nonsense. You are not a sinner saved by grace. You are saved. You are a saint. It's either you are a sinner and you have not been saved. Either you are a sinner or you are a saint. But you can't be a sinner saved by grace at the same time. It doesn't work. I don't even get any there. You can't, you can't be, you can't be so happy to identify yourself. Where, where, where sinner saved by grace. Rubbish. Is that how you are a sinner or you are a saint? You are not saved or you are saved. There are no two ways about that. No middle ground. So there's nothing like sinner saved by grace. You are saved, you are saved. And once you are saved, you are not a sinner. You are a saint. Did you get that? Oh, you can't, <laughs> you can't be a saint or a sinner at the same time. You are a saint. And you gotta understand that. You live like a saint. You walk like a saint. Praise God, somebody. Set your things, I mean, your affection on things above. That's the key point. I, I don't know, our time is, is gone again, top. 
We pick up from the next week. But I need you to understand what I'm talking about. When you are sitting down, oh, I'm going to show you something next week. The only one place that Jesus stood, Acts chapter 7. Have you read that? When Stephen was being stoned, the Bible says he looked up and he saw Jesus standing. You notice that? I'm going to understand, make you see why he stood up. You see, when you study the Bible, I tell you something. When wisdom begins to flow, you will see the reality of who you are as the scripture begins to open you up to know exactly who you are and why Jesus did some of the things that he did. I make you see that next week. Have you ever wondered why he stood up? That is the only place the Bible mentioned that Jesus stood up. Philip, Stephen looked up, he saw him standing. And I make you see that. Three major reasons I'm going to give to you why he stood up when Stephen was being stoned. Are you there with me? Because remember, he was sitting down as a royal king. Because you understand the senate position is kingship. Only king can sit on the throne. Remember, in our theology or whatever, instead of Christology, <laughs> we are more of theology, but we should be thinking more of Christology, which is Christ and what he has made available to us. Is that okay? In our theology, we talk about three thrones. Remember that. Throne one, throne two, throne God. So, first throne at the center. Right hand side throne is Jesus. Left hand side is Holy Ghost. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. How many of you remember what I'm saying? Right. So we can say these are royal people. And you don't expect a royal priest to stand up callously. There must be a reason why royalty should stand up. Is that okay? You can't move a king. You can't enter the, the palace of a king and then you see him stand up. No. There's a reason why he stood up. And I will show you that reason next week. But suffice for this day for you to understand that you are sitting where? At the right hand of God. For when Jesus finished, remember, this priesthood is sitting down. Not the priesthood of the Old Testament that walks around parabolating in the temple all the time, daily, offering sacrifices. This one is done once and for all. And he's sitting there and you are sitting with him. So you must enforce your rights. Lamar was telling us on Sunday. You must enforce your rights. You must take authority over every, all powers, all opposition in any manner. For that is your justification. Your righteousness which belongs to God. No man can accuse you and go free. Every tongue that rises against you, thou shalt ye condemn. So, Ephesians, I mean Isaiah 54 again, we'll close from there. 17, 18. Message translation. We'll close from there. These are the, the eternal treasures in the right hand of God. All glory. But no weapon, I'm looking at message translation. No weapon that can hurt you has ever been formed. Can I hear an amen? None. <laughs> So, every weapon people are trying to push against you, they are only trying to intimidate you. They can't hurt you. But because you don't know that they can't hurt you, you think they can hurt you. I don't know if you're getting that. None. It has not been formed. That's to say, it has not been prepared yet. No weapon. No arrow. People can think about arrows or whatever. No arrow in any manner. That can hurt you have been formed yet. It has not been made. <laughs> Look at the next thing. Verse 18. What is that? Isaiah 54. Okay, go back up. Go back up a little bit. Because of that. Um, I created a blacksmith with fires up his fog. And makes a weapon designed to kill. I also create the destroyer. You can call that the devil. You can call that Goliath. 
You can call that Pharaoh. I created them all. He said, I made Pharaoh that through you my name shall be glorified, magnified, exalted on the face of the earth. That's the purpose why I made you. I made all of those things. Are you sitting there with me? And so when you go to the next verse, and I say, but no weapon that can hurt you have been forgot. Amen? So, you should have that understanding so that your consciousness will rest on the fact that whatever anybody wants to try to do to you is a waste of time. Because you're sitting in a position where you can only give instruction even to the face of the enemy. Hallelujah. No devil? No. No wish? No. No wizard? No. None. None. Yet. (laughs) Glory to God. None yet that can hurt you have been found. Because the blood protects you. The blood saves you. The glory of God is around you, in and around you, wherever you are, you're on the sea, is with you, you're on the road, the glory is there. There is a defense, there's a wall of fire around you. The enemy knows it, but you don't know. That is a problem with Job. It was the devil that was telling God, I know you have an edge around Job, but Job didn't know it. You see, the only way I can talk Job is for you to remove the edge of fire. There is a glory that's around you that you don't know about. The enemy knows he can't penetrate that glory except God removes that. But you don't know, so you are scared. Hallelujah. How many of you understand that if we bring a snake here right now, all of us will run out of this hall. But yet we have tribes that fellowship with snakes. They snake with snakes. Snakes are their pest. They do festivals with their snakes. I mean, I'm still talking about human beings. So you see, you only have fear of the snake, but there are people who do not have fear of the snake. You are afraid of the devil, but there are people who know that the devil have no power. I don't know if I get in that. So, Ensure your fear in the blood of Jesus. Just know you that he saved you and he has protected you and he will continue to protect you. So no weapon formed against you shall do what? Shall prosper. You got the victory already. Enforce your victory. Release the dominion you have. Reign as a king right now. Not when you die. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.